Hey there, everybody. This is Mimic, and welcome back to yet another episode of Culture Prism. Yay! Uh, this is my third episode, but this is the first episode I'm actually being recorded for a school. My school is a radio class, and this is going to be the first podcast episode that I record for them. Uh, and you can be able to listen to Culture Prism here on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. And for those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to Culture Prism. My name is Mimic. And yeah, so Culture Prism is a culmination of everything that we love about pop culture in our society. Whether it's video games, movies, certain sports entertainments such as professional wrestling, and just everything in general to do with nerd and geek stuff, I am here to inform and talk about with you guys. So I hope you enjoy... Uh, the discussions and uh, potential news to come out from all this stuff. Now, um, I started this radio class so I can be able to make podcasts better. So I'm really happy to get the opportunity to professionally, on a professional level, to make one, to make a podcast. So everything that you've seen before in this podcast is kind of irrelevant now. I have a whole structure here with me and I'm ready to share with you guys everything to do here with Culture Prism. And yeah, just, I really hope you guys can understand why culture, or pop culture is so big on our society and how it shapes us and all the memories that we have from certain shows or books or movies. And they really do help our society get together in one way or another. And I will be having guests from here and here and uh, here and there, on certain episodes and certain topics that can help us. But I am very excited to bring a f- finally, finally bring you guys a full recorded planned episode for you guys today. And again, this is Culture Prism. You are listening to it on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. Coming up here real quick is our first segment where we will be talking about our DC fandom announcements. DC Comics has their latest convention on a virtual scale, talking about everything coming out in the future for them. So we're going to be announcing, or we're going to be going over all the announcements they made and future for DC to come, such as movies and video games. So stick around for that, and... You know what? I'm feeling a little jazzy. And since this is the first official show, we're going to get this down today. We're going to be doing some music segments as well, so you guys can just chill out, relax, all cool. So, the first song we're going to be playing for y'all lovelies today is from the 2015 indie classic Undertale. And since the show is beginning, it's the track It's Showtime. Welcome back to Culture Prism, here with our first segment for the DC Fandom. DC Fandom was announcements on a virtual convention, such as Comic-Con or Megacon or whatever conventions, you get it, conventions, there we go, that people go to through to express their love for comic books and all pop culture. So DC Fandom happened recently, and there was a bunch of announcements that happened, and I'd like to go over some today. So, let's go over the first announcement. The first announcement that they had was a second trailer for the upcoming Wonder Woman movie, Wonder Woman 84, 
1984, just Wonder Woman 84, and it did reveal the main villain of the movie. So for those of you who are no who know DC, the villain that was revealed for the Wonder Woman 1984 movie was Cheetah, and she is being played by the actress of uh, Kristen Wiig. So, Cheetah in the comic books was a villain for Wonder Woman, and basically, it was just like, I think it was, at least in the comic-wise, was a person who infused himself with Cheetah DNA to become the ultimate apex predator, so that, you know, they can travel really fast climb walls, have claws and everything. And this trailer did just that with uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, usually you don't see her in these serious action pack movies, so it's a really good, like, refreshing take on seeing her in something like this, because Kristen Wiig is an SNL legend. So she's been in a lot of comedies more so than she has action. So seeing her in, like, this gritty trailer was really cool. Uh, and it was like a fully realized Cheetah character, because you saw her before and post-anthropomorphic transformation. So you saw her as when she was the mad scientist, and then you also saw her in her full transformation. Which was really cool, because at the end of that trailer, she it showed her fighting Diana, or Wonder Woman. And it was really cool just seeing her full body getting thrown around. It was really cool. And, yeah... So, Wonder Woman 84 is scheduled to release in theaters and on demand on October 2nd. Yes, so that's all, that's all the new news we got for Wonder Woman 84, was the Cheetah reveal as the main villain. And let's go to another movie that I am personally more excited about than Wonder Woman, and it is The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad. This is a complete recast and new... Uh, I'm not sure if it's a sequel. I'm pretty sure it's a sequel. It's a sequel recast of the 2016 movie, uh, Suicide Squad, which unfortunately wasn't really that much of a hit with critics due to lack of lack of in-depth characters and just overall junky action. And it was like kind of weird. I personally liked it, but I can see why a lot of people bashed on the film. Um... This movie turned it absolutely upside down so far from what we've seen. There are so many new villains, because Suicide Squad is full of a bunch of villains, rather opposed to heroes. So you have your DC standards. You have Harley Quinn, you have Rick Flagg and Captain Boomerang. Those are the really odd ones, or Boomerang at least, but they were from the original. And you got some new people here too. So I don't know how many confirmed... Uh, villains they have, but some new ones that they have been adding is uh, Savant, who is played by Michael Rooker, also known as also known for his role as Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Peacemaker being played by WWE wrestler and actor John Cena. We have Nathan Fillion as a brand new character made specifically for this movie called TDK, which fans are speculating to be called the Detachable Kid. We have another SNL alumni, uh, Pete Davidson, as Black Guard, and filling, or what fans expect to be filling the role of Will Smith's Deadshot is Idris Elba, going to be playing Bloodsport. Now, as you can see, there's a lot more people if you go and watch the trailer yourself, but those are like the standout roles. 
most likely uh, Nathan Fillion as TDK, because we don't know what TDK is, but again, people are calling him the detachable kid. And it's an, like Kirsten Wiig in Wonder Woman, Pete Davidson isn't in that many serious movies. But I can see him being played serious, which is really cool. But what I can't see being serious is this movie. I feel like this movie can be serious, but they did get a new director to direct this. And the director is none other than the legendary James Gunn. James Gunn is notorious for his uh, work on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which is kind of surprising. It was actually kind of funny seeing Michael Rooker in here also being uh, Yondu in that movie, but he going from Marvel to DC. James Gunn also has his brother Sean Gunn in this movie, as he does with every movie, but James Gunn has this way of directing his movies to make them comedic yet very... Very good movies, like, at least screenplay-wise. Screenplay and shot-wise are just amazing, in my opinion. Um, and some other... Some other, um... Villains to point out here that are going to be making their debut in this movie. We have Polka Dot Man, Ratcatcher, King Shark, Weasel, Javelin, The Thinker, Mongol. I think that's all of them that we didn't hit. But those are lesser-known actors. Those were, like, the big ones that I already showed in every, or told you guys about everything. So, yeah, The Suicide Squad is scheduled to release in 2021. No official release date, just the year. All right. The next thing we will be talking about is... You ready for this? Yet again, another Batman movie. The Batman has been confirmed. And we had a trailer for it. Finally. There was a bunch of rumors saying... Actually, no. There was a bunch of rumors and confirmations saying that actor Robert Pattinson would be playing the next Batman. Those were confirmed. And at DC Fandom, we got our first look at the Pattinson Batman in a dark and gritty movie. And boy, does this look great. This is the darkest I've seen a Batman movie since The Dark Knight Rises. And it's just... The whole tone of the trailer is really powerful. So you have Robert Pattinson as Batman. And the other characters that will be uh, in this movie are Catwoman being played by actress Zoe Kravitz. The Penguin being by being played by uh, actor Colin Farrell. And Jeffrey Wright as Detective Jim Gordon. But the main villain of the Batman... Hasn't been confirmed, but it seems, based off of all the clues in the trailer, it seems to be the Riddler, which we haven't had as a villain since Batman Returns, I think was the movie, where Jim Carrey played the Riddler in that really psychedelic movie. That movie was weird. I don't even know. But yeah, so um, yeah, the Batman movie looks really good. And that's scheduled to also release in 2021. And one thing to note about the Catwoman in this movie, Zoe Kravitz... Uh, isn't quite Catwoman yet. They're, they haven't had that Catwoman persona, so I'm guessing they're just going to be known as Selina Kyle, her alter ego. But it's only about 25% complete with the movie uh, as of the, the DC fandom and everything. But that's what, uh, as uh, Reeves stated, Catwoman, Selina Kyle, Zoe, you know, uh, they said the production had many delays due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, and it will 
The movie will be taking place during the year two of Batman's career, while Gotham PD prequel series for HBO Max will take place in year one, which they also announced. So they're going to have a Gotham Police Department prequel series to this movie on HBO Max. And we will get back to an HBO Max later. I'm getting all this information from IGN. So everything that was released in fandom, they have here for us. And speaking of HBO Max, like I said, the last thing we're going to be talking about in this segment is the one and only Snyder's Cut of Justice League. So, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Director Zack Snyder was cut to make the Justice League movie back in 2017, but for time restraints and money restraints, they had to tone it down and completely redo the movie. So, what they've been doing is remaking the entire Snyder cut, and what they're going to do is is they're going to be releasing it periodically into a four-part one hour each episode, like four episodes, one hour each, on HBO Max of the entire Snyder Cut movie. Meaning that the original Justice League was meant to be at least four hours. Which is insane to me. Because honestly, the Justice League movie from 2017 wasn't that well received. But the trailer for Snyder Cut during the debut panel at DC Fandom was announced. And there will be, according to Snyder, he said that he confirmed that there will be no reshoots with the original cast, and he, it will be only using uh, previously shot footage. And this will be airing in 2021 on HBO Max. The whole thing will be viewed as an entire film eventually, but apparently the project record the project reportedly costed upwards of 30 mil to produce. And within that trailer, we did get a screenshot of Darkseid, which was supposed to be the original villain. But the the 2017 movie opted for Steppenwolf instead. So those were the four major, major announcements that I wanted to get you guys updated with. Some more minor announcements... Just before we can get to the next segment, uh, more minor announcements we have here are the Black Adam movie got more details, stories, and a teaser trailer. Black Adam now being officially confirmed to be played by The Rock. Let's see, what else we got? We got, we got video game announcements, such as uh, Batman Gotham Knights. So each character in this game are going to have their own abilities, and they're not Batman. So Batman's not going to be playable in this game. It's going to be Batgirl, Robin. So that's going to be really cool. So it's not exclusively a Batman game. And that's also going to be releasing on 2021. So a bunch of these are 2021 releases. Except for Wonder Woman 84, which we've known for a while. And I'm pretty sure that's why we got that release date. Because it's like, okay, well we already have all this gear and everything. So might as well already release the movie instead of waiting. Um, and the last thing that I want to touch on is the Rocksteady Studios game, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. So that is a new video game coming out in scheduled for 2022, which is really insane. And, but, yeah, 2022, that's a while. That's a while from now. But that's going to be the new video game. It's going to be a co-op multiplayer 
uh, beat em up, I think. Pretty sure it's like a beat em up with four players cooperatively, or you can do a single player mode with AI controlled teammates. But the characters you'll be able to play are Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark. So I don't think this has anything to do with the newer movie, as the designs are completely different and with the addition of Deadshot and not Bloodsport. So that's going to be releasing again 2022 for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. So yeah, that's basically everything that was announced at DC Fandom. It was a really good convention. I had to rewatch it myself because I was I was in work that day. So I went back home and I watched the entire convention and dare I say it was really really good. Now, would it be as good as actually going to the convention and having like physical reactions like like people in the crowd I think would be a lot more hype and a lot more exciting for our community to react together, but again, due to the pandemic happening, I it's really hard to do that. It really is. But luckily, people have posted the reactions online, so I guess you can react with them instead. Something around that, yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's everything that happened at DC Fandom. For those of you just tuning in to here, welcome to Culture Prism on Hawk Radio. You're listening to it on Anchor.fm. Yes, that's Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. And coming up right now is our next music break as we take you before the next segment talking about pro wrestling. Yes, we're talking about WWE SummerSlam and Payback, the two most recent pay-per-views that just happened within the world wrestling entertainment business. We'll be talking about the results, how they're going to go in the future, and my opinions on these matches. But as of right now, we're going to go ahead and hit it on back to that 2015 indie game classic that you heard from before, Undertale. This time, it's going to be one of my personal favorites. As we guys get ready for the next segment, you go ahead and listen to my favorite song, Spider Dance. Welcome back to the second segment of the, the day. I almost said night. I'm so used to saying that. Anyway, the second segment of today, as mentioned before, we're going to be talking about World Wrestling Entertainment, shorterly known as WWE, as their last two uh, pay-per-view events, SummerSlam 2020 and Payback 2020, which was the most recent. But we are going to start with 2020's SummerSlam event. Now, SummerSlam is known as the biggest party of the summer and is one of the biggest events for wrestling every single year. This year, again, because of the pandemic, was not able to have a crowd, but we were in Orlando, Florida's WWE Thunderdome, which people would be able to sign up and tune in virtually, so you have a virtual crowd watching everything. So here we go. We're going to go down the matches, we're going to see my opinions and what happened, and just talk about how we can improve from here. So, starting with the first match of the night on the kickoff show, was for the United States Championship. We had champion Apollo Crews versing off against MVP. So this match was very interesting because, you know, it was just a short squash match, but the beef that Crews and MVP had were were, pre- were pretty, pretty solid. Uh, MVP made a United States Championship when Apollo was injured, but he was still the champion, reclaiming to be the champion, and then Crews beat him to be the actual champion. But uh, MVP, during that time, made a faction called The Hurt Business with him, with fellow wrestlers Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley. So now, they're having a whole feud, and this was a pretty pretty solid but yet short match. There's been better. Uh, Cruz laid a MVP out 
by reversing MVP's finisher with the spin-out powerbomb for the 1-2-3. Cruz defeats MVP via pinfall to retain the U.S. Championship. And starting the main show, we had the bout for the SmackDown Women's Championship, the champion Bailey versus Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow. So the way this plays out, uh, Bailey and her best friend Sasha Banks hold all the gold in the WWE. So they hold the, both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships, Sasha with the Raw, Bailey with the SmackDown, and they also have Women's Tag Team Champions. Asuka got uh, defeated by Sasha Banks because Bailey interfered and got a cheap shot so the ref wasn't looking. So Sasha Banks won very cheaply uh, to Asuka. So they're champions, and Asuka wants a, a run back. But So she had a run back with the Raw Women's Championship. But on a night of SmackDown, there was a battle royal to determine the number one contender for Bayley's uh, championship. Asuka was a surprise entrant in there and actually beat the battle royale. So Asuka had the opportunity to fight both Bailey and Sasha for their respective championships, even though she is our participant on Raw. So the way this match went, honestly, was a pretty solid match. Uh, the ending was pretty obvious for those who know the storylines. Uh, Bailey went and looked pretty, pretty defeated, and Asuka went to go get her, but Sasha Banks was in her corner and distracted the ref. With that, Bailey cheaply got a roll-up and pinned Asuka for the 1-2-3. Bailey defeats Asuka via pinfall to retain her title. Again, this really wasn't the best match of the night. <gasps> Excuse me. The best match of the night. Um, you know, there was some good action in and out. Um, Asuka almost had Bailey, but again, uh, Sasha with the whole distraction thing, helping her best friend out to retain her title. That was kind of obvious, but... She also still had to worry because Asuka was still fighting her later that night as well. The next championship match was for the Raw Tag Team Championships. The champions, the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. This, in my opinion, was probably my least favorite match of the night. Strictly due to the fact because I've seen these teams do so much better than they did. Uh, Street Profits being one of my favorite tag teams, and Andrade and Angel Garza, while not being one of my favorites, I know they are dang good. They are a fire tag team, absolutely. So, there was really not that interesting stuff this match. Uh, the only thing that I can note is the finish of the match, and that's when uh, Montez Ford, one of the Street Profits, his wife came out and hit the manager of the Angel Garza and Andrade, being Zelina Vega, so Andrade went to go check on her, and Angel Garza was left alone in the ring to get pinned for the 1-2-3. Street Profits retained their Raw Tag Team Championships. Again, nothing really to note on that match. Uh, the next match was Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville in a no-disqualification loser-leaves-WWE match. This, I think, was the most predicted match, or the easiest predicted match in all of SummerSlam. Mostly due to the part that something happened in Sonya Deville's personal life. And it's pretty bad. I'm not going to go into details because that's not the time or place to say anything. But something happened in her personal life. So I think she needed to take a break from wrestling. So it's good to see her leave WWE. It was kind of obvious that she was going. But these two were best friends. And then they turned on each other. It's the, it's the simple, hey, we're not best friends anymore. So we're enemies. That's literally all it is. So Mandy Rose defeated Sonya Deville via pinfall. 
pretty average match. Nothing, nothing good at all, honestly. It was just average. Eh. Uh, next match was Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in a street fight match. Now, this match has a lot of beef going behind it. This match has been going, or at least this storyline has been going on for a couple of months. Seth Rollins forced Rey Mysterio, legendary luchador Rey Mysterio, uh, his eye into the corner of a steel step. So that caused him to being blind and losing his eye, right? And all this time he was threatening his son Dominic, but Dominic wanted retribution for his father. So Dominic keeps going out to the ring every week before this pay-per-view and keeps trying to get threats and everything. And then eventually challenge Rollins to a street fight to avenge his father. Now this was probably one of my favorite matches of the night. This street fight meaning no rules, anything is legal, and a bunch of weapons will be involved. Uh, Ray was in Dominic's corner, and Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins' uh, partner, was in his corner. So Ray unfortunately got a little interfered with the match. And so did Ray's wife, who came out and got a distraction and almost put Dominic's eye through the steel step. But Ray stopped it just in time. But Rollins caught Ray and handcuffed him to the ropes. Right? He handcuffed him. And it was like, oh my gosh, really? Like, dang, that's really like, oh, okay. And he couldn't do anything. So his son was just standing there. But he got Rollins. He got him in the jaw and he climbed up to the top rope. And as he was about to do his father proud, Rollins put his knees up. So he did a frog splash right under the knees of Seth Rollins, causing him to be on the ground and Rollins forcing his father to watch his son get the one, two, three. Rollins won with a curb stomp via pinfall. What an outstanding match. This was Dominic Mysterio's first ever match in WWE, and he showed up so much. I'm so proud of him, and I really can't wait to see where this goes. Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that Sasha and Bailey were best friends, and the whole Asuka thing that happened with the Battle Royals. So the Raw Women's Championship match was Banks versus Asuka. Relative to the last match that they had together, um, except this time, like relative in quality is what I'm trying to say, so the quality was pretty much the same. Um, with the with this match though, um, stuff kind of kind of went south for Banks and Bailey here. As the ref was yet again distracted, Bailey tried hitting Oscar, but Oscar hit Bailey out right, and Bailey was on the floor unconscious because Oscar hit her hard. So that led to Banks. Almost getting the win, but Oscar reversing it into the Oscar lock. But Banks was really hoping for Bailey to help her out because she helped out Bailey before. But Bailey couldn't move because she was on the ground. Unfortunately, that caused Banks to tap out to Oscar. Oscar defeats Bank via the Oscar lock submission and wins the Raw Women's Championship. What a match! This was probably my favorite singles match of the night. But my favorite like tag team match was the Rollins Mysterio match. This match was good. It was the at least the finish was because now that's setting up beef. Because hey, look, I helped you, but you didn't help me. So again, 
in the future, this could be uh, brought upon again. So yeah, just a really solid match overall. Uh, we have two more matches to go over here before we go to Payback to end the show for today. There's only going to be two segments because we're just trying stuff out here. Um, let's see. Yes, the WWE Championship match. Champion Drew McIntyre versus the Apex Predator, Randy Orton. So, with Randy Orton, he's been doing everything in his path to make all of his opponents psychologically mad. As in, he is hurting them and injuring them so much that they probably can't wrestle anymore. And he's doing this to all of the legends. So everyone that has been in the Hall of Fame, just legends on WWE in general. So you got legends like Edge, Christian, Big Show, Ric Flair. All of those really popular wrestlers from back in the day are coming back to talk to the new generation. And Randy's over here just putting them in crutches again. I don't know why. There's no one. Because he thinks, it is with his boots laced up, he is the best wrestler in the world. Drew decides to go shut him up and challenge him to a match at SummerSlam. Because Randy wants that title to prove he is the best wrestler. This match, wow. This was a absolute, I don't even know what to call this match. This match was super fun. And the I think the, the fun part of this match is that none of their finishers hit. They hit, they were able not to connect any one of their finishers. Drew McIntyre didn't hit his Claymore kick, and Randy Orton didn't hit the infamous RKO. The finish of this match, eh, that's probably the only downside to this match. It was back and forth so much in this match. You really didn't know who was going to win. I I didn't know. This was like the only match that I didn't predict. Like, like I, my prediction at the end was correct. But uh, it took me the longest to come up with that prediction because there's so many predicaments. Because these wrestlers are some of the hardest working wrestlers on the roster as of now. But the finish came with a missing Claymore kick from McIntyre and an attempted RKO from Orton. Only for McIntyre to catch Orton's arms and get a backslide in for the 1-2-3. McIntyre defeats Randy Orton via pinfall to retain the WWE Championship. It was a really, really good match, but the finish really could have been better. It's a backslide, so nothing's really that interesting, you know? So, and the, yeah, the final match of the night was the Universal Championship match. It was Braun Strowman versus The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Braun Strowman being the champion, and Wyatt being getting into Braun Strowman's head for the past couple of months. They used to be teamed back in 2016, 2017? No, sorry, 2015 to 2016 is when they were a part of a faction together. So, he's uh, Bray Wyatt's been using uh, tactics to get back into Braun's head to make him give him the title back and join him. But Braun's not having any of that. He said he evolved. So, this was a fall count anywhere match, meaning you could get a pinfall literally anywhere in the ring or anywhere in the stadium. It didn't have to be inside the ring. So, by the end of the match, the ring was completely destroyed. There was padding and wood everywhere. Like, literally, there was just, like, raw wood. And The Fiend took advantage of that. So, he took Strowman, did a couple of moves, did Uranagi onto the wood, and then hit Braun Strowman with the Sister Abigail for the 1-2-3. Ding, ding, ding! The Fiend Bray Wyatt defeats the champion Strowman via pinfall to win the title. 
I really did see this coming because uh, Bray Wyatt is one of the most popular stars on the roster right now. And, yeah, the only thing that we didn't see coming was the re return of a returning Roman Reigns made a shocking return attacking both The Fiend and Braun Strowman at the end of the match. No one saw this coming. I mean, a lot of people saw it coming, but I personally didn't. So he returned from the whole COVID pandemic thing, and he's been out since March. So he's back and ended the show with the title in his hand, him standing over both The Fiend and Strowman. Overall, SummerSlam 2020 was really, really fun. It was a fun pay-per-view. Some matches kind of were boring and snoozeworthy, and the other ones were energetic and nice just to watch and enjoy as a wrestling fan. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to go to the Payback as our last segment of today. Before we get to Payback, again, this is Culture Prism on Hawk Radio on, Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. Uh, payback is going to be the last segment we talk about, and that was actually the most recent pay-per-view. As in, most recent, I mean literally two days ago. So this is pretty fresh in our heads. But before we go here, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening so far. And if you're this far in the podcast, I'm really glad you've stayed. And hear me listening to talk about comics and wrestling so far, at least for this episode. So, with that further ado, we are going to do another music break here. This song is from the indie pop band Boy Pablo, which is one of my very favorites. And this is one of their songs, Dance Baby. So you all enjoy this. And as we get ready to talk about Payback 2020, this is Boy Pablo, Dance Baby. And welcome back to the last segment where we're going to be talking about WWE Payback 2020. Now, before we go into all of the matches and my opinions on these matches, we are going to talk about the build-up for this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view literally got all of their matches within one week of SummerSlam. Literally one week. All the hype was Monday through Saturday before it showed the following week. Because this literally happened the weekend after SummerSlam happened. There was no time. So therefore, these matches were pretty just put in. But, with that being said, Payback 2020 was... is one of my favorite pay-per-views of this year. This was an outstanding pay-per-view, especially for the time that they had. So we're going to go ahead and go down the matches real quick. So the kickoff show, we had the Riot Squad versus the Iconics, so two women's tag teams. Now the beef that uh, the Riot Squad has is that Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan uh, turned on each other because they used to be a tag team together, but I think it was Riot got injured, so they disbanded each other, and I think that was a thing for Riot leaving, and then Riot turned on both Morgan and Sarah Logan, but Sarah Logan is no longer with the company, unfortunately. So, basically, this match is a struggling Riot squad versus the Iconics, being Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, which have been, who have been best friends for, like, forever, like, they, since they were, like, 12 or 13, I think. They saw a wrestling show together, and then they just tried out, and now they're best friends working together. It's really cool, honestly. But, yeah, standard kickoff show match. Again, nothing too bad. Nothing too good, honestly. Uh, with, the, with their problems aside, 
with them trying to be able to form a team again. The Riot Squad defeated the Iconics via pinfall, and eh, eh, it was okay. At least the um, the finish was cool. The finish was nice. Uh, I think it was Billy K that they got the pin on. Yeah. So, they threw Peyton Royce out of the ring, and they both had Billy, uh, Billy Kay in there. Uh, they both hit their finishers simultaneously, which was really cool to see. So, Liv Morgan hit the jersey code breaker first, which is double knees to the face, and then Riot with the Riot kick for the one, two, three. So, yeah, just pretty basic match. Uh, first match of the show was for the United States Championship, Apollo Crews versus the Hurt Business's Bobby Lashley. Now, with SummerSlam, MVP was the one to go against Cruz. But again, they are all a part of the same faction. So, it was Bobby Lashley's turn, because Bobby Lashley started having beef with Cruz ever since he beat him in an arm wrestling match. Cheaply, mind you. And this match was really, really solid. And honestly, I wanted this to happen. As good as a champion that Cruz is, Lashley is a dominating force within the WWE. And it's just insane to see him being underused and underutilized, you know? So seeing him win this title, by the way, Bobby Lashley defeats Apollo Crews for the title in this match, was really cool. So he beat him with the full Nelson, which is a submission hold after knocking him down with the Dominator and him kicking out at two and a half. Uh, afterwards, the Hurt Business came in, started beating up on Apollo Crews. And sending him out saying, Apollo Crews saying he'll be next. He'll get his baby back. Which I don't think is likely. So what I think they're going to do is they're going to have Bobby Lashley be the US champion. And a prediction that I want to see happen is the other two members, MVP and Shelton Benjamin, take the Raw Tag Team titles from the Street Profits. So the Hurt Business will be able to hold all the gold, or all uh, titles, all the titles, for a pretty strong faction that's been... Showing up in recent days. So yeah, that was that match. It was pretty good. The next match was Big E from the New Day versus the Big White Oaf, Sheamus. So Sheamus is one of the top heels here on SmackDown, and Big E is a part of the tag team of the New Day. Unfortunately, for a while now, I think since like September, so almost a year, uh, one of their members, Xavier Woods, has been out with an ACL injury. And just recently, happening in July at Extreme Rules, their other member, former WWE champion Kofi Kingston, um, recently suffered an injury as well after losing their tag titles to uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, after medical professionals said Kofi was unable to fight for about six months, I think it's like a six-month hiatus that Kingston has to take, Big E is the only remaining member of the New Day. So Big E, for these past couple of weeks, maybe even a month, I think, has now been going on his singles run as a, as a singles competitor. And he is showing up. He is doing so good in this run. He did one back in, I think, 2016, 2015, 2016, where he actually won the Intercontinental Championship by himself as well before the whole team was... Um, was uh, formed. So it's really cool seeing him get another singles run here, and he's showing himself that he's a good competition, defeating the likes of The Miz, John Morrison, and in this match, he was fighting against Sheamus, again, one of the top heels, who just got off of a feud of Jeff Hardy 
who is currently the reigning Intercontinental Champion. So, with this match, um, Sheamus had a lot of trouble getting in early on Big E. He was just getting taken off his feet because Big E is, used to be a power lifter, so he, he is super strong. Um, but then, basically, he kept grounding Big E afterwards when he got control with a bunch of attack on E's legs before he got the Irish Curse uh, backbreaker on him. He was, a, he was a little bit ahead of E when uh, E tried a comeback attempt. And he caught B and gave him an Alabama slam for a two count. And therefore, Sheamus went into a corner, ready for the broad kick. But that broad kick was caught with a powerbomb and Big E's finisher, the big ending for the one, two, three. Big E defeats the top heel Sheamus via pinfall. And this was a pretty average match. Nothing really else to say about it. All right. Next match is King Corbin versus my personal favorite wrestler as of right now, Matt Riddle. So this match has been going on because Corbin thinks Riddle doesn't deserve to be in SmackDown because he's just a nobody jabroni. But Matt Riddle is a former MMA fighter, dude. How are you going to underestimate him? Again, very average match. There's honestly really nothing to say other than Matt Riddle won against King Corbin via pinfall with just a solid match from both showings. There wasn't really anything spectacular or just normal fanfare for both of these guys. If you haven't seen any of their matches, guy would go check out King Corbin and Matt Riddle matches, and literally they're all the same at this point. So yeah. Alright, here is, we're going to be talking about my match of the night personally, which is for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, Bailey, SmackDown Women's Championship, uh, SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey, and Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So, with the last pay-per-view, Banks lost her title to Asuka, but that doesn't mean that they were still holding titles, because Banks was still tag team championship, uh, still tag team champions with Bailey, So she still had a bell on her. But with this match, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler just hate each other and hate Bailey and Sasha. But I think they hate them more than they hate each other, even though they hate each other a lot. So they decide to put their differences aside and take on Bailey and Sasha. And honestly, I saw this finish coming. But the finish they did was impeccable. Wow, wow, wow. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defeat Bailey and Banks via submission to win the titles. This match was amazing. It just solid, solid performance from all four women here. But the finish from Shayna Baszler was absolutely outstanding. Shayna Baszler put uh, Sasha Banks in a leg lock. As Bailey went to go attack her, she actually put Bailey in a Kirafuda clutch, which is similar to the Oscar submission, but it's her own twist. So she had both ladies in the submission at the same time. And as Bailey was taking off um, Shayna's arm to get around her neck, Shayna took Banks's arm and choked Bailey with her. Bat them both in a submission and forcing your own partner to choke you for the tap out. That is insane. And just like the, oh, I'm in awe right now. I can't even talk. I'm just thinking about it. It's absolutely amazing seeing that finish. Dang, just, I don't know where they're going to go from here. With the, the champions, or at least Bailey and Sasha. I'm pretty sure they're going to be disbanding their friendship pretty soon, but I'm not even sure at this point. So that was that match, and that was my match of the night. 
All right, and we have three more matches here. We have Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton, who just lost at SummerSlam to Drew McIntyre, got interrupted by a debuting NXT call-up of Keith Lee on that episode of Raw after SummerSlam, saying, Randy, you clearly haven't seen who I am, but let me show you. So they had a match, but it got DQ'd by uh, Drew McIntyre coming in the ring, which set up this match for Keith Lee versus Randy Orton here. This was a pretty good match for Keith Lee, especially since this is his first official main roster match, other than that one night that he got disqualified for. But, again, Randy Orton is Randy Orton, and he'll do what Randy Orton need to be doing. So, with this match, Lee just kept bouncing him around from the ring, like, really early on, but then Orton landed his signatures, like the hanging DDT, and it was a pretty short match. But listen here. After that, he got up, setting up for an RKO, when Lee, out of nowhere, caught him and hit the, sp- the freaking spirit bomb out of nowhere. He out of nowhere, the Mr. Out of Nowhere, were the one, two, three, what? Keith Lee defeats Randy Orton via pinfall. This was one of the most surprising things I've seen of the night, because he hit Randy Orton with not even his most conventional finisher. As the spirit bomb is a finisher... Keith Lee usually goes for the Big Bang Catastrophe as his finisher, which is a modified jackhammer. Uh, It's just fast, really fast win. I mean, at least he's going over with one of the most dominant WWE wrestlers in 2020. It was a really solid match, and honestly, it was just really shocking ending. Alright, the next match we're going to talk about is Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio versus Rollins and Murphy. Again, this is another saga match been going on with all these feuds except this time really early on Dominic exploded out of the gate like there was no stopping him no stopping him and this was a really good storytelling match and it was a yeah it was just a grudge match really um so for about like the first quarter of the match it was just Dominic and Ray just dominating uh Rollins and Murphy here uh, with a bunch of cross bodies off the top rope and hitting the 619. But Rollins actually caught him with the drop kick to the legs before he missed another 619 after a hot tag when Mysterio came in. And he uh, Rollins started to take over as usual. He screamed at uh, Ray. He goes, where is your family now? And he's lackeying Murphy to kick him in the head. And that is when things went south. So as Murphy went to go kick Ray in the head, Ray dodged out of the way, and instead Murphy's kick freaking caught Rollins in the jaw. So he kicked the crap out of Rollins. Ray tagged in Dominic for a double 619 and a frog splash onto Murphy for the one, two, three. Oh my lord. Ray and Dominic finally get their vengeance. They got their payback at payback. This was an outstanding match. Absolutely fun. And I'm glad to see Ray and Dominic finally get their revenge on the the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and his disciple Murphy. Very, very good stuff happening here. And the final match of the night was the triple threat, uh, no-holds-barred match for the Universal Championship. Uh, the newly crowned Universal Champion, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman versus the returning Roman Reigns. Since this is no-hold-barred, basically anything goes with nothing to stop anybody. Therefore... Roman Reigns the previous week made the shocking decision. No one saw it coming. 
For years and years, these men have been rivals, but Roman Reigns decided to team up with the infamous legend of Paul Heyman, which no one, literally no one saw coming. Because they hated each other for years when Reigns was feuding with Lesnar, his previous client, or Heyman's previous client. And it's, ugh, it's wow. So he didn't know if he signed his contract or not. Therefore, a huge majority of this match was Strowman versus Fiend. And Reigns didn't come out to the very end. Because he didn't feel like he was obligated. So, it was standard fanfare between Strowman and Fiend. Strowman came out of nowhere attacking Fiend at the very beginning of the match. And it was just all out from there. The highlight, One of the highlights of this match was Fiend taking Strowman to the very, very tip-top rope. Super, superplexing him off there. And the ring imploded on itself. Oh my gosh. The ring broke. Everything came out. And as soon as the ring broke, Reigns' music hit, and he came to the ring with Heyman in a steel chair with a smug look on his face. Wow. Absolute cheap way. But when he went for pinfall attempts, both The Fiend and Strowman kicked out. He's like, what's happening here? You're all supposed to be giving me the title and everything because you keep kicking out. This makes no sense. Fiend gets up and almost gets Reigns with the sister Abigail, but he low blows Fiend out of nowhere. And Fiend goes out of the way and hits Braun Strowman with a spear for the one, two, three. Roman Reigns is the new universal champion by not even pinning the champion because that's triple threat rules. My gosh. He is... Oh. Oh my gosh. I can't even believe it. Reigns is already back and he's already the top champion again. He didn't lose his title. He had to relinquish it because of leukemia a couple of years ago, which he recovered from, but he never went for the championship again. So, it's just shocking to me to see this finish because uh, Fiend just got his title back, but now I think Reigns and, Fee, uh, Reigns and the Fiend are going to get the, the uh, feud that they never got to because Strowman took Reigns' place in the Universal Championship match. So I'm going to be really excited to see what comes to be of this um, this feud. I'm just... Yeah, that's basically it. That all that happened at Payback. And we're here at the end of the podcast. That last song you heard was also from the 2015 indie game hit Undertale, and that was the song that might play when you fight Sans. That's the actual title. But I hope you guys enjoyed this first edition of Culture Prism. I know it really wasn't interesting, uh, as in more topics than movies and wrestling, but that was just the first episode. Again, there's a lot more to come in this episode, so I really appreciate you guys tuning in today. Um, I'm just here to say thank you guys for joining, and don't forget to share this with everybody here on Hawk Radio at anchor.fm. And next week, expect some news from the gaming industry. We're going to be talking about, um, yeah, next week we're going to be talking about all the recent delays that gaming has brought upon us and new release dates that have been announced for everything, as well as I'm going to be introducing a new segment where we're going to take a trip to nostalgia land and we're going to be talking about whatever subject I decide by next week that we will be... Uh, reminiscing and how it shaped us so with that being said i thank you all once again for tuning into culture prism here today 
on Hawk Radio on Anchor.fm. This is Mimic signing off. Thank you guys so much.